Alex Howdy. Welcome back. How y'all doing? I am so glad to welcome you to Sudden But Inevitable, the sci-fi rewatch podcast dedicated to single-season space westerns that were canceled mercilessly before their time. I, of course, am your host, Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Jesse. And with me, as always this week, is my longtime friend and co-host, the head of the Twist My Arm Network and the host of Quest Me, Josh. How are you doing this week, Josh? I'm good. I'm not driving in a snowstorm this week, so it's good to be here at the beginning of the show to, you know, give my opinions throughout the show instead of at the very end, which then leads to, like, a nuclear bomb going off on my Twitter the next couple days. (laughs) Some people would kill for Twitter engagement like that, man. People were all over you, and it wasn't, like, it wasn't live. I was like, what did I do? (laughs) Days later and for a couple days at a time. It was cool, though. Yeah. I had fun. It It was a great time. So, you know, that was my week. Well, we couldn't offer a truly balanced perspective on this week's episode of Sudden But Inevitable without the most wholesome member of our little family. And that, of course, is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. How is your Friday? I am so glad it is Friday. I've just been watching for the end of the day all day. And this is a weekend that I definitely earned. So good Friday. If I may, my friend, I feel that you earn every weekend that you make it to. I mean, we made it to Friday, and that makes us mighty. Now, (laughs) strolling slowly up to meet us this evening in the guest chair and talking us right out of our car keys with a little flirting and misdirection, of course, is the host of Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation, Cameron Harrison. Cameron, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? (sighs) Nice mug. Oh, shall I come back after the uh, mincing and preening part of the day is over, gentlemen? Uh, no, I specifically need you for the mincing, but almost oh. exclusively for the preening. Okay, so like 90% preening, 10% mincing. Well, I think Cameron's forte might be mincing. Oh, Could be. my forte is preening, so I think this is going to work out really well. Here we go. Cameron, I, I have to point out already in the chat, we have a whoop whoop Cameron. That, I will course, take it. Is from our very good friend Callie D, who is uh, waking up at four thirty in the morning in the faraway land of Germany to be with us live. Thank you, Callie D, as always for being here with us. I would also like to say hello to our friend JB, who it only took me a week and a half. You guys, I figured out that that is actually John T. Bolds of the Green Shirt Podcast, the producer John T. Bolds. He says, "Let's go," but he did say that like five minutes before showtime. So. We don't know if he's even still here. He was I, ready. I, I, I'm, yeah, we just, I, these people are ready to go. So let's jump right into this after we say hello to Phil K. Hi, Cameron. Glad to see you and the rest of the crew tonight. What up, Phil? You are the best. Thank you for being here, man. We, I, I, I got to say, if we were going to hire a person to run the library of Sudden But Inevitable, it would be Philip K. And that's all there is to that. And to that point, those of you who have been here before or listened in podcast land or watched on YouTube, I'd just like to say, guess what? Phil is coming back one more time before this season of Sudden But Inevitable is over. Now, that having been I was going to say, is the chat entirely populated by past guests now? No, because our very good friend Rona is in the chat <laughs> there as we well. Go. And Rona, Rona says good morning. She has not been on the show. Uh, Rona, I believe, is in Scotland, 5.30 a.m., 6.30 a.m., Rona. Throw it in the chat. Thank you for being here. 
this is the most supportive chat and just group of people. And again, thank you as always for being here, folks. Now, I'm going to take two steps backwards really quickly like the animated cat in the Paula Abdul video. What we do here at Sudden But Inevitable, as I mentioned, is we watch sci-fi shows. Primarily, we watch space westerns, primarily that have had one season, and primarily that were canceled before they were ready to be canceled. To that end, this season at Sudden But Inevitable, we are covering the live-action Cowboy Bebop, and tonight, specifically, we are here to talk about Episode 7, Galileo Hustle. Now, those of you who've been here before, I have to say, please, before you listen to the rest of this episode, go back to Season 2 and listen to an episode called Don't Go Chasing Meteor Falls, because it's going to give you very important, um, shall we say, cam context for the rest of this episode. That it having could. been said... Cameron, my friend, please, if you don't mind, jump into this week's episode, Galileo Hustle. Oh, sure. Well, let's just start off with the very first vibes I got. You guys love uh, bringing up the video game references. And immediately, I was getting some Fallout vibes from the uh, the old-timey radio song and the sci-fi setting. Oh, yeah. So that was a good start. It's a good start to a great episode. Did you want a summary of this episode? And or? a lot of, you know what, Josh? We're trying a new jazzy thing here at Sudden But Inevitable, oh, where oh, okay, we just talk okay. about the show and people pick it up as they go. It's okay. uh, it's the newest thing in podcasting, actually. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but we figured- I certainly had no influence over Jesse on this decision. We just None figured that if people are here at episode seven, they're ready to go. And if they're not, they can read the show notes and they'll know what's going to happen. Now, to Cameron's point, Yes, lots of video game vibes for me in this episode in particular, and right here at the beginning because of the old-timey music. Lots of, like, um, riveted metal, I think, is what was mm -hmm. making me think of, of uh, Fallout, right? I mean, the bebop itself kind of has that riveted metal look going on in some places. Oh, sure, and, yeah. Yeah, so down. I definitely agree with that. I, I, I did have a moment of just, like, the worst kind of relatability with Spike where he's got this migraine going on. <laughs> I had a migraine at the start of this week, you guys, and that's all I'm going to say about it. But like any of you listening or watching, if you've ever had a migraine, like I, the fact that you're alive and have not hurt somebody, hats off to you. You're amazing. And, and you deserve every Friday that you get to just like Ricky D does. Um, here's something that's not super fallout. See, I, I thought he was hung over the whole time. Like, right. He had a migraine from being hung over. I was like, oh man, I would have a hard time fishing too. If, if I was like, that spike over. can handle like, his alcohol and the hair's all messed up and like yeah spike does drink alcohol that's proven by uh him drinking with whatever kudo. her name is yeah. oh yeah kudo. drinking the kudo with uh anna anna yeah okay yeah. but so my first impression with this like was a we get some nice continuity with with Faye. she is continuing her sexual journey as as spike puts it but then spike's <laughs> Uh, migraine it's been eight days he's had a migraine i thought for sure was from his brain uh brain scan brain brain scratch brain scratch I, yeah i thought that as well now later she it's, she does something to his neck to fix it so maybe that pulls the rug out a little but though i mean you know when you're when you're tense because of a migraine it does kind of settle in the neck so when he was locked into that chair and that was a very uncomfortable looking chair exactly. so i could Fair. see getting some sort of next problem with that and that's like specifically the the thing about migraines is that it's like 
uh, the neck and the head. And we got to stop talking about this. But to that point, Cameron, I feel like the last episode and this episode were almost shot together, like as one episode and then edited into two episodes, right? Because sure. the scenes with the eunuch feel like they're just continuation of all his scenes from the last mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. So I think it actually fits really well that Spike is just feeling a little bit of residual brain scratch. And that's why he's got mm -hmm. this like migraine from, you know, never. But I, mm -hmm. to your point about Faye's sexual journey, I love that she is somehow, I. the thing about Daniela Pineda's performance, we've talked about how amazing it is and we'll continue to do so. But this moment in particular, right, where the virgin is now no longer a virgin and suddenly an expert because they've had one encounter, right? She's like, And oh, some yeah. fine literature she's been Exactly. Reading. She's flipping through all this stuff. She's going, dude, you got to have more orgasm. That's totally the key. Like, you know what your problem is. And and I, there's something about that that's so true to life. she's a boob or a butt girl. Right. So like. I mean. <laughs> she doesn't know well, anything. Well, hopefully that she... Leather Daddy magazine will help her decide if she's a boob girl or a butt girl. Well, it depends on how tight the leather is. It's, I'm pretty sure she settled on boob. I'm a I'm a boob man. I'm with uh, she, Faye here. She did settle on boob. I believe she muttered under her breath. Um, I think it just depends. <laughs> of course, it depends. Live chat, sound off. Uh, which we one gotta are get you? this thirst chat going. Yeah, let's thirst this chat up. Our friend John T. Bold <laughs> says episode seven synopsis can invade sudden but inevitable and takes over with Borg like efficiency. Rona says that sounds right. Um, our friend Callie points out that Faye is a buffet girl. She can have both. Mm. Both is good. I think I'm with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a buffet girl, too. I th <laughs> there's there's a lot of girl kinds of girls that you are, not the least of which I think is a Barbie girl, if we're being real, right? <laughs> but only for the song. Now. Wrapped in plastic. That's fantastic. It is. I guess. And I guess. <laughs> okay. Okay, Josh. You don't have to be the Barbie girl. Jeez. Ricky D. I just want to be the buffet girl. It's okay. You can be the buffet girl. Ricky D. What are you feeling at the start of this episode? Before mom shows up, it's, I think, like you said, it's kind of a continuation of the last episode. Uh, we're kind of just, we're starting out slow. We're getting a little bit of exposition. Spike's got his hangover or his brain scratch, uh, migraine. Uh, it's, it's starting out as a fairly innocuous episode. Well, as innocuous as you can be with a giant close-up of a Playboy as your third shot of the episode, I think. Now, but to that point, Cameron. Well, I did not I think. cue you yet, Josh. <laughs> I, thought, I, to I it. feel like that was a cue. I will cue you. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm sorry, Cameron. Do you have two mugs? Okay, so if you guys remember back to the original anime, do you remember the scene of Faye sunbathing on the deck of the Bebop? So this is a translation of that scene, but this is magnificent for so many reasons <laughs> because the freedom, right? The sexual prowess, the empowerment, the mm -hmm. fully clothed mm -hmm. nature of the woman going mm -hmm. on this journey by choice of her own agency, born from a scene that had five feet of legs on a six foot woman <laughs> in less clothing than I wear. And she, she makes the word pontoon attractive. Like <laughs> I, that to me, that's, that's, like there the episode wins okay it's a good episode to me that's that's enough but we'll talk about the rest of the episode we're not even to the theme song yet the mom is hot too we do have to we have to throw that out ricky d uh milf connection john cho right yeah <laughs> oh that's right yeah sorry what i think that was i think that was you that mentioned the milf connection right yeah actually i believe that was our uh 
our our live chat attendee, John T. Bolds. Oh, here I go, misaccrediting people like I do. <laughs> yep. John Cho made the word MILF popular, and now he's in this scene where he's telling Jet that mommies make the pain go away. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, I, I to that to that point, okay, so we, we're on the bebop now. No, we're not. We are we are recycling, okay. the, recycling this. Rewinding this. I want to spend a hot minute on this Playboy. Okay, let's okay, do I it. I did my research, and okay. we're going to talk about it. Not yet, Josh. I will tell you. <laughs> First, we're going to talk about... <laughs> So it's a night. It's a September 1977 Playboy, which a it looks in pristine condition for being what about a hundred years old and surviving the um, lunar gate crash. I mean, this thing has been around for a while. Except when you Google the September 1977 Playboy, it is not that cover. This cover was made for this show, and I should have known that because I did look it up because these articles sounded fascinating and uh now we can throw it up there josh let's take a look at some of the articles they oh, read, you want it now look at him yes, look please. at him they i know he's not ready they read <laughs> as if someone just put in a whole bunch of playboy article headlines into a computer and and this is what it came up with so we've got we've got oh nope go up i we want to see that top one firebomb a playboy session turns into burning hind we've got college shoot ball and then this is my favorite, and it's going to get a little vulgar for a second. Fucker Hunt's Great Discovery, The Complete Story. I want this complete story, guys. My uh, yeah. life is not you... complete until I read about Fucker Hunt's Great Discovery. No, I think we need that as an audiobook. Let's be real. What? What? These are what, the, what? What sort of strange English? I don't know. It's genius. And then there's a jazzy interview, which of course they had to pop on there. They must have done the first step, right? They ran all of these Playboy like mm -hmm. mini headlines through a machine learning algorithm, an AI. Yep, yep. Then they put those most popular results into Google Translate, sent it to Japanese, and then sent that Japanese back through Google Translate to get to English. And that's why we have the phrasing that we have on the front of this magazine. That's what I think. I, I, I buy that. But it's beautiful. And now I, wow. every role play game I do from now on, my character's <laughs> going to be named Fucker Hunt. <laughs> It's, you hear it's, that intrepid dm give me a character sheet ready just put that on the top because it's it's, it's uh, so default. vulgar that it almost comes all the way back around to not being vulgar <laughs> right, like, right it's almost just a name now also i don't think uh playboy was advertising chinese cigarettes in 1977 just a hunch should have been my first clue maybe chinese was playboy fake. was you don't know oh true i'm only looking at the u.s uh covers on amateur Google. mistake cameron <laughs> now okay I'm that sorry. was okay we can we may proceed now no i think i think we should call that an evening gentlemen it has been an excellent show and i mean i don't think we can talk i'm that, ricky so. d for best list with ricky um, d <laughs> <laughs> but wow i this okay we're on the bebop we're on the bebop mommies make the pain go away she's she's mm -hmm. she's got this con going this is the new, more likable version of Faye, where Faye is not only getting con, but she's also in on the con. It's like a multi-layer con, <laughs> and that's important for a yeah. lot of and reasons. And of course, it all ends up being a bigger con. It's a con within a con within a con. Right. And I gotta say, the way that they introduced her, what does she say? She got her recipe for dumplings mm. from a rogue oh. monk on the far side of Triton. Like... 
That is the most metal phrase I have ever heard in my life. Like, and and somehow this episode continues to just be like character setups for role playing games. I don't know why that keeps happening, but yeah, I I I I really liked the chemistry here on this in this first scene with all of them on the bebop. I definitely got a little bit of the vibes, and I cannot remember the gal's name from the episode where she shows up and flirts with Jet just endlessly and spike is going seriously favorite person I think it's three ever i think it was episode three the old lady yes but i don't mm, remember her oh, name oh yeah oh josh you're the producer oh, yeah, go look up episode straight. three cast list and tell right me what now. her name I is you. so I got you. but i got some of those vibes because i was like okay is the mom gonna hit on spike is she gonna hit on jet what's going on because there's so many angles here it's a multi-layer con this that and the other thing um i hadn't ever seen this actress in anything, I have you. Got, did you guys recognize her from anything? She looked familiar, but I, I, I IMDb'd her and nothing yeah. popped out. Same. I was like, oh, uh, Woodcock. Woodcock. Thank you. I don't know how I Woodcock Hunt. That's that right. name. Yeah, <laughs> that. I think. Yep. I think Woodcock may have been her last name, Cameron. <laughs> oh, I think it's actually just it's like Prince, <laughs> one word. It's Woodcock. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> noted so <laughs> i i we do have this scene between uh really quick sort of arguably extraneous scene between gren and anna where she's getting really upset with him about a theremin <laughs> like, i am getting very upset with anna anna about getting upset about a theremin that is a, the most beautiful instrument if you can get that into your club anna you book that act but I'm sorry, was that conversation improvised? Because it definitely felt like it. Like, it felt incredibly naturalistic to me. Like, it almost felt like they were talking about a theremin and a PA went, oh, that's the most boring conversation. Let's put that in and have her be like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, I that was I, I the moment where Gren says, okay, I get it. Like, no, on the theremin, I... I know what a theremin is, which I thought was cool. I and only those... recently know what that is. It's one of those instruments where you like don't touch it, mm -hmm. and it makes this spooky ghost sound, right? It, mm -hmm. it goes by uh, like electricity, basically, or like yeah. stuff in the air. You like manipulate the magic, the airwaves oh. to create the noise that you know. There's, it's a really really cool instrument, honestly. Yeah, I I but love the it's theremin. Super hard to play, like it's and to make. Sound good, like you can make sound come out of it. But but to Anna's point, like, have you ever been to a club and thought, you know what this club needs? Theremin. Every time I've been to a club. Now, usually I'm walking down the 16th Street Mall in downtown Denver, and there's someone posted up on the corner with a bucket out in front, just making noise with this theremin. <laughs> oh, I thought you just meant like a bucket. Like I've actually bucket. I've used that to heckle people on stage. I just go, we should get a theremin act out here. This guy sucks. <laughs> Oh my god. I'd rather watch somebody impersonate ghosts. <laughs> okay. Um <clears throat> that's note to self. Don't go to comedy shows with Ricky. Also, that's super easy to believe. Like I think that was a bit, but I could picture that pretty pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know about you guys, but I love Anna. I love this version of Anna. I think Tamara Tooney is is a gift to wield against the enemies of Gondor. Speaking of if you get a chance, make sure to listen to our good friend Sean at Cheap Seat Reviews. It's the podcast that reviews the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. They recently covered The Lord of the Rings, and I gotta say, masterful set of podcasts, gentlemen. 
Is there a bet going on with you assholes? What are you talking Except about? Except for that guy who showed up on the Fellowship of the Ring episode. I don't know about that him. That one was hard to listen to, but I pushed through it, and I think that if you're a completionist, you got to listen to all three of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, But yes, Tamara Tooney is a gift. I, I love her. Um, I, I feel like I've been talking for 20 minutes. Josh, is there anything from the beginning of this episode that you feel like you have to bring up? Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what this bet is with cheap seat reviews. <laughs> I promise you there is not a bet. Um, you know, not really. This is another one of those episodes where we don't actually see the title card till yep. like 24 minutes in, I think. Yes. I have issues um, with that. Why? I do not. I love that. Okay, I think why, why, why does it come in when it comes in? Why does it need to come in at the beginning? <laughs> okay. Before you two continue <laughs> to ask each other antagonistic questions without answering each other, <laughs> let's, let's do it this way. Josh. Why doesn't it bother you that the title card shows up at 24 and a half minutes through a 44 minute episode? I think it's because I like the way the story goes. Like they they put the title card up right when it needs to come up instead of making you kind of like wonder about what's going on because it seemed they what they brought the title card up Oh, I think it was right after the discussion at the table, right? Right after uh Yes. Vicious and all of them are talking at the table. They finally put up the Galileo hustle. Yeah. And I, I feel like now we have an idea of what both hustles are in this episode. Right. And so they're telling us now that this is a hustle, um, which let me talk about that. That I just have one little thing about that dinner scene that I wanted to bring up because they did this on purpose and it irritates me when that dude eats whatever the F he's oh, eating. you know what he's eating, Josh. You know what he's eating. What do you think he was eating? I'm I'm pretty sure I know what he was eating. I know testicles, right? It had to have been. God damn it, that's so gross. I didn't I didn't want to think about it. I didn't. They I, were large, but they were. I was testicles. like, they look like Rocky Mountain oysters, but a little whatever. So the sound they zoom in on the noise of him crunching on that, and like the juices coming out of it, and it was. Such an anime thing to do that I was like, you would. <laughs> Some mouth you sounds for Josh. You would do that. I never wanted <sighs> to eat a testicle before that scene. And then after watching it, I still don't want to eat any testicles. <sighs> yeah. Really no. quickly, Cameron, before I give you uh, an opportunity to present the opposite argument or to explain why you have issues with it, which I believe you probably can expound upon. I believe I may have misgendered Gren earlier, and our friend Phil corrected us. It's them. Apologies, and thank you, Phil. I appreciate that. Cameron, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just felt like trying to be jazzy for the sake of being jazzy. I mean, every other title comes up pretty early. I think there's one at like 15 minutes, and then there's this one that's halfway through. And there's nothing in the story that I feel like indicates, well, now the episode's starting. We're in the middle of the Whitney plot. We're in the middle of the the vicious plot. I mean, the vicious plot is just like three kind of separate scenes. Well, I'd say Julia's two scenes are, are connected, but otherwise they're just the pieces getting us from the last episode to the next episode. Like, uh, I mean, what, what I just... It, it needs to reason. It needs to be. It, there needs to be a reason for it to show up. If they're going to do something so bold and so crazy, there, there has to be an underlying reason. And I just don't feel it. I think. I think they should start doing it at the end of the episode, just to say. <laughs> then they you. can do it at the That's end of not... the episode. Like I, I like it when it's being weird. And if the first twenty minutes of this episode were like a prequel or like all off on some other storyline, and then they just came back halfway through and popped up the title card, then that would be great. No, they did this earlier. They did this in like episode four, maybe five. I don't remember, but it was it was full on like halfway through the episode, and it was specifically. I think it was episode five because that was the episode that our guests 
Was it two? I'm pretty sure. I, I think you mentioned it uh, yeah. when we did the preview. Oh, okay. I think it was only like 15 minutes in, though. I think there was one that was like 15 so and with, then one yeah, that was halfway. I think it's when our guest, our friend Andrew from Bebop Tabletop was here because that was the episode where I realized every one of these episodes has an A and a B plot. Mm-hmm. And to Cameron's point about, you know, it, this is not necessarily the start of this episode or the start of the new stuff. This is, you know, just the end of the connective tissue from the last episode. I felt that it was more of like, this is again it's it's almost impossible for me to talk about the series without talking about the episodes that are coming up after this but i feel like retrospectively and i didn't know the first time and i was thrown off by it um the title card is happening here because it is a hustle this is the galileo hustle and it is reminding you hey you're maybe not necessarily as up to speed as you think you are because i was not like I remember specifically a couple of episodes after this going, wait, how are they going to get out of this? And then going, oh, I see how they're getting out of this. Um, so it, it was one, I I felt like the first time it happened, it felt a little more natural to me. And I feel like this time was more of like, oh, we've done this before and it fits uh, narratively because of the the structure that you had mentioned earlier, where this is the end of the old stuff. But to your point, I kind of agree that it's not really the start of the new stuff. It's just the rest of this episode. It's not like uh, a vastly different plot for the second half of this episode or anything like that. Um, but Mao's hat, in the tradition of Guinan, is a thing <laughs> of aesthetic wonder, mm, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, just the brim on her hat is like three feet wide, and I love, love that hat. Um, jumping back just a tiny, tiny little bit. I love that in this Bebop, um, Jet has learned a little bit from watching his own wife and daughter, and that seems to be helping him kind of pick up on some of the family or lack of family Mm. dynamics going on between Faye and her, air quotes, mother. Mm -hmm. I just, I like that we have a reason for Jet to pick up on that instead of it just being that Jet doesn't trust women. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like his explicit thing in uh, in the anime. Sorry, Ricky, go ahead. My impression of the whole Jet, Spike, and Mom thing was Spike was totally on top of it from the very beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. Jet was going like, look at Faye. She's got uh, she's got closed up body pos- or posture shirt. Thank you. Uh, and Spike's like, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and uh, Jet just keeps on bringing up these little things like, I wonder if she's a, if she's a con artist. I wonder if. And Spike's just like basically just almost ignoring him. Like he's already three or four steps ahead of him. That's how I read it too, Ricky. Because like at, at first I was I was just at the point of being like, come on, these guys would pick up on this. They're being so obvious. I that's a trope I hate in movies where like they have to like project the lie to the audience and then it makes all the other characters in the room look like idiots for not picking up on it. So yeah, I, th- I think Jet picked up on it just in time. And then yeah, at first you could read Spike's like, oh whatever, I like dumplings. It's kind <laughs> right. of like sitcom humor. But that, it's it's Spike. He knows. And it's because, like, Spike is water. He knows right away, but he's not going to act on it. He's not going to act like it. He's going to play the dummy, and that's going to keep his opponents, like, off guard, thinking he's the dummy. It's also going to help him with his whole ruse with Jet uh, to, to not seem quite so intelligent uh, because of, you know, what he's keeping from Jet about his past. So, yeah, I, I love that, uh, that, that whole thing. And... and it just reminded me, you know, Spike's whole thing is he's like water, right? Like that's I do that's the episode from the anime I wish they had fit into this season that explains like how Spike, I think mm-hmm. I said Jet, but Spike is is so good at everything. And it's like 
because you could look at him and be like, well, he's a badass and he's cool. But no, he's a badass because he's cool. It's right. that like water attitude that makes him able to be so uh, on top of everything. And, and I think that's what we see here. And I wish they had brought that into the live action at some point. Like, I would have liked a, a more of an explanation. Yeah. So if they OK, Josh and Ricky D, think back to the episode the camera's talking about of the anime, right, where we've got like the bumbling nice guy, but not super smooth. And he's like maybe in a criminal organization, but he's not very good. And he's asking Spike, like, hey, man, how do you be so cool? How do you, can you teach me to fight? Who, mm-hmm. in the live action, who should they cast for that guy in season two? Since, of course, you know, that here at Sudden But Inevitable, our goal is to hashtag save Cowboy Bebop and get hashtag more mm-hmm. Bebop. Then we're going to need to help them plan ahead for things like that. You know, the inevitable Spike training a guy episode. So, if you could go Chris for Chris Pratt. Oh God. Okay. How do I remove people from the stream and just? Babes, can I? How to mute? No. That's I, who. That's who they will cast. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> no, they won't. They showed that they know how to cast correctly in the first season. They're not going to put Chris Pratt in this oh, damn God. thing. I think Jeremy Piven. <laughs> oh my God. Um. Okay. Um, what was what was your answer, Cameron? I'm sorry. Uh, ni- 1999 era Giovanni Ribisi. Okay, see, there you go. He's got greasy hair, uh, some dirty stubble. You know, a little over eager. Yeah, he has but yeah, he hasn't really um, established himself as an acting powerhouse yet. We haven't had Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> um, oh my God. Best movie ever. At this point, he's just Phoebe's little brother on Friends, and that's all he'll. He'll be for a lot of people. So um, our friend Phil says Tom Holland. What mm-hmm. do we think about that? I think that would actually work. Teach I me mean, to fight, Mr. Sp- Mr. Iron, Mr. <laughs> Spike. <laughs> uh, Ezra Miller can be overeager Ooh. and a bit confused, says our friend Callie mm-hmm. D. I don't know. Is that is the that flash. the Flash? Yes. Yeah. Flash, yeah. Um, don't say anything, Jesse. Okay, I won't. And... Um, Actually, those are both great picks. I think our chat did, did better than we did, you guys. But <laughs> that's nothing new, of course, here at Sudden But Inevitable. Um, I do have a... I did have a moment here in this episode that I I really cherish. And and you guys know me. like I'm, I, I watch things emotionally anyway. But I really loved that um, Gren and Julia get to have kind of a Marianne and Wanda moment in the alleyway in this case. Right? Anyone? No? No, okay. sorry. Earl had to die? I'm nodding, but uh, I don't know. Earl had to die, but in this case, Earl is vicious. Um, mm. This might be mm. the flattest a joke has ever landed. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Jesse. No, no, it's okay. It's it's specifically like ultra obscure, and I bet you there's two people out there going, yes, this is what I've been waiting for on Sudden But Inevitable. And Earl had those... to die as in the Dixie Chicks song or the Chicks song? Yes, sir. Okay. You're okay. quick with your Google Foo. It's no, a good I song. Know, I, know, I know the chicks, yo. It's a good, okay. okay. I don't remember Wanda or Marianne, but... They were the best of friends all through their high school okay. days. It, it's the opening I know. to the song. I just... Okay. Sure. Josh okay. is having a moment, and <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there. I refuse to be judged by Josh for my music taste. So, <laughs> there. Gauntlet thrown. Now... I'm just trying to figure out if this is... Nope. 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 Go forward. Jesse, may I take a moment to talk about found family for a bit? Please do. I know you won't won't fault me for that. 
Uh, I do. There's a little detail very early on in this episode when they get back on the Bebop. Jet has just come back from shopping. He's been doing the shopping for the Bebop. And I like that detail because it really sets up this family dynamic we're going to get here pretty soon. There's Jet and Spike are the two dads. Jet is the very, he's the disappointed dad we're going to get later. I trusted you. I brought you on my ship. I trusted you. All right, how long is it going to take to do your thing? Like, he's the pushover, disappointed dad. And then you got Spike, who's the cool dad, who's like, yeah, do whatever you want. Go make your mistakes. You'll figure it out. And, of course, you've got Faye as the wayward daughter. And I love that. I mean, even to the point, like, I was thinking that. And then there's the whole joke about them being gay on the bus. <laughs> I loved that moment. And I just uh, love that dynamic between all of them. And I guess that's all I have to say. I've got more to expand on that later, but we'll get to it. Well, and I think that actually ties into what I was saying earlier about how this jet feels mm -hmm. more real, right? He feels yes. more 3D, for lack of a better term. He's definitely got more of a relatable nature where he's mm -hmm. not just, I don't trust people and I hate people that aren't on my ship. He's, you know, I'm trying to keep some people happy and I'm trying to keep other people away from those people. And that's, you know life is difficult and it's all about balance and and you really see the struggle for balance in in all of jet's story i think throughout this series right mm -hmm. and i mean perhaps nowhere greater than in one of my favorite scenes of the entire series where he is watching his daughter's recital oh yes with the hologram technology and behind him spike is having a full-on 1973 <laughs> saturday afternoon like low budget movie bruce lee kung fu yeah it was like and neo fighting off all the agent smiths <laughs> just you out guys, of focus i was convinced that jet the first time i saw this that jet was going to miss the recital or that he was going to somehow colossally screw up the recital or like hurt somebody there like i was so nervous like the entire time that she was on stage and it at the end of it, he gets to he gets to live through the whole thing and experience it and pay off all these like tiny emotional beautiful moments with the family that he's still trying to hold desperately onto, and his ex wife realizes he brought flowers. It's all these beautiful little things that actually make you feel stuff, and then immediately he gets thrown back into the world of cowboys. But he actually gets to spend all of his the full recital there, and I was I am still grateful for it. Like. I still feel palpable relief that he did not somehow ruin or miss the recital. That had to have been super suspenseful as a parent, right? Oh my god. I don't Because for me I was like, well, it'd be cool if he makes it all, but I would I would totally assume that he's going to just go beat some ass and it's going to be fine. Whereas you're over here like, if I ever missed my daughter's recital, I would kill myself. Well, like specifically like <laughs> think about it this way. It's more of like a Everybody in that room, because you've seen the like the divorced parent. Okay, it's Mrs. Doubtfire, right? Except Jet mm -hmm. right. has the good sense to not dress in drag and pretend to be a different person. So he's like he's trying to stay attached to his family, even though he's divorced and even though his wife has moved on and stuff. He's like, okay, I'm still gonna be there for the kids. I don't really care about you, but you know, whatever. And damn it, we do get a moment of Chalmers just being just ugh. So nice. And I love it. 
I love it. Sweet. How and nice. They yeah. gave a character arc between Chalmers and Jet. They could have yeah. so easily just played them as their foils and gothic yeah. against each other. And they didn't. They gave them yeah. an arc that was beautiful and sweet. And how dare anyone not watch the show or say that it sh- sucks and, yeah. and get it canceled because we never got to see the fulfillment of just that family unit and their very nuanced and realistic growth and development. I'm sorry, I'm pissed. No, no, it's 100%. Our got- friend. Hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. Our friend Phil says, I've been the stepdad at the music performance. It's worth all the effort. And dude, I, I got to say, I mean, for real, like all joking aside, I am the child of stepdad. I, I think stepdads are some of the most amazing people in the world. Step parents of any kind, of course, really. Um, I think a lot of people can I relate to that. that. And, and, you know, it doesn't take two parents to raise any child. It, of course, takes a village. So I just to see Chalmers accept the role of chieftain of that village but to graciously allow you know jet the space that he is entitled to was like i'm a, i'm i'm getting a little bit emotional right now thinking about it you guys but to it's Cameron's so point, good yeah, and it, it really is how dare people like say this is a bad show it's like is it not like the anime maybe fine you can have that conversation but this is a good show I mean, just that moment specifically, a lot of TV shows would be too lazy to have. have I feel like this episode had the most emotion in it too. Like it really, really brought so out far, like yeah. the the yeah. amazing writing that these guys are capable of. Mm-hmm. And it it is extremely sad that we don't get to see more of that development because it could be a lot of fun. There could be like some sort of barbecue moment, you know, where. <laughs> well- they're all hanging out making sausages together. <laughs> and Spike has no like Spike is we get we get a tiny huge moment from Spike here, right? Mm-hmm. They you know Jet's like, "Hey, I got to go to this thing." And Spike's like, "And I'm supposed to just hold off infinite assassins?" And he's like, "My daughter uh, is the she's lead." She's the lead. She is the sun, the center <laughs> yeah. of the solar system, Spike. And then Spike goes, all right. "Oh, okay, cool." And then he yeah. like, "No problem, right?" But then we get this tiny little piece of dialogue from Spike where he goes, Everybody else's family problems are always my problems. <laughs> I'm the orphan. Yeah. Right? Yes. Huge backstory thing there, but he just throws it out as like this tiny little, mm-hmm. also, eh, whatever. So I feel like that adds just this tiny little layer of perfect believability because it's like, dude, of course he's going to have a soft spot for kids of any kind and of mm-hmm. any relation to him, right? Because he has been a vulnerable child before. So it's like... That is a huge thing in in one maybe two lines of of dialogue. It's it's you're to Cameron's point. Like if you want to have the conversation that this series is different than the anime, I think that's a conversation you can and should have. But I don't think you can have that without asking the question: Is this better than the anime? Uh, I would say yes, <laughs> but that's my hot take. I think, in, I think in some aspects it is better than the anime, but then again, you can't. I mean, the anime is the original anime. Like that's the original I mean, story that everybody fell in love with. Sure. So of course, there's going to be aspects of that that is a little bit better as well. But as far as like writing and continuity and like an actual story that you care about, like the anime was built for a one season. Depictions of um, female characters. Yes, all the all the PC things that have come to light and all that stuff that they're now taking care of in this <laughs> is wonderful. Um, but I mean, the anime was really only built to be one season, whereas this they're like laying the groundwork for it to be three to four seasons of a ton of story. It's hard to compare. And I would say like the anime for me, the anime is like a solid seven, maybe eight, like but it stays in that level the whole way. It is consistent. 
the filmmakers knew what they wanted to make and they executed on that. I have my issues with some of the story stuff, but but I think they saw their vision through to the end. And I would say that the live action has its ups and downs more, but I think the highs are very, very high, as you'll see when I rate this episode. I do want to, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to say anything smarter or different than what Jesse just said, but 100% on feeling the stakes of Jet getting to his daughter's recital. Like, I think I was more on the edge of my chair for that than anything else in this season. Uh, and and because I think it is just such a trope for these shows. I think we've seen it in Firefly. We see it in other aspects of the show where, like, our protagonists just never succeed. And that's kind of the 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 joke and the point of the show is that they try and then they fail. And, you know, we kind of had that set up with the teddy bear where he sort of got the dot or something, but then it didn't work out. And I was like, that's going to happen again. He's going to miss the recital. He's going to do it. I'm going to get so pissed off at the show. And they didn't. So just to echo Jesse and say, I, maybe it's a parent thing. My daughter's first recital is coming up here in a couple of weeks. (laughs) I will fight the world to get to it. And, um, and also it, it's not a planet recital, but she right now is super into planets and she would be excited. She wouldn't want to be the sun. She'd want to be Jupiter. Well, it's, it's kind of like the king of planets. <laughs> I like it because it's the biggest of all the planets. We do planet puzzles and she just gets the Jupiter pieces. And go, Oh, Jupiter. I love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Very cool. She's um, not into like, she's not into astronauts or the sun or spaceships. Just the planets. I promise that we will stop talking about our children after I say my daughter is currently learning a lot of Blackpink songs and it's the cutest thing in the world. Ricky D, go ahead. Uh, well, if Cameron's going to echo what you're saying, I really feel like I'm more on Josh's side of the fence on this one. Uh, I really recognize the importance of Jet making it to his daughter's sorry, recital. Wow, I'm having trouble tonight. I uh, had trouble getting to his daughter's How recital. How much he cares. He just... It was all important to me, but it really didn't yank on my heartstrings the way that you guys are mentioning. It was just like, right. Uh, I guess it's amusing that he can't help Spike, but I was more interested in <laughs> the Spike storyline than in Jet seeing his daughter. Well, and honestly, for me, I think, like, in the performance, a big a big part of the heartstring pull comes from Mustafa Shakir's performance because just the pure, like, a look of, of elated, I'm, dancing, I'm here, he I made it. Yeah, like, it's well, like, I have felt that way in in ways that are not related to my child. Like I've felt mm-hmm. that way just because I accomplished a thing before. So I feel like there is a layer of it that could be applied to that. But I mean, it's it's also I I I think it's almost like a Deadpool style moment, like going on <laughs> behind him, right, with all this chaos oh, and stuff. Sure, so sure. it works on the comedy level for me too. Like I'm not here to say if you don't like the emotional part, then you didn't watch it right. It's just like I I I think that it combines all that stuff and it it puts it all on display and well, I was just gonna say it was so good that I didn't even care that the technology didn't really make any sense how does the hologram work how is he seeing okay. the recital but also the bartender the I was gonna say the coloring of this scene like the very dusty western like background mm-hmm. is I think what made me feel very 70s about it but there was also like some real opaque blood stains on sand like I felt like I could feel the sand that was saturated right um but Cameron as a as the host of a Star Trek podcast, I'm sure you're okay with having a quick techno babble discussion. Absolutely, uh, we Let's talked it, about this before. Jesse. So what I think it is is um, you'll notice in I believe episode two, Spike when he goes to speak on his radio doesn't touch an earpiece or his ear. He just touches like part of his head, 
and it specifically shows his ear, there's no earpiece in there. So we have decided that everybody has some sort of uh, either interocular slash interaural transplant that they can use as a radio, but also doubles as the uh, hologram technology projection device because Jet was pretty clearly able to like see the space around him, right? Despite not actually being there. So there has to be a two-way video transfer going in both directions. So, mm-hmm. uh, for example, the scene where... Yes, the Futurama iPhones. Thank you, Phil. The scene where um, Vicious and Julia are in the temple and the elders are trying to make him shoot her, right? To get a gun into his hand, they have to have the guy that's in Vicious's apartment put the gun in his hand in real life. And then that of gun course. scans in to the to the hologram so i think the answer is but is it like projecting straight into his eyeball or into his brain is that what you're saying yes what he's seeing yes (laughs) because we don't see it projected into the bar right and it seems to imply that it's not like a projection in the bar that the bartender can see right it's it there so that's what i'm thinking it has to be some kind of like it has to be a two-way video feed right straight to his eyeball right like or brain brain style yeah okay that's what i mean like i said then, i don't care but then how is his ex-wife and chalmers seeing him because it because they have the same implant everybody has the the hologram implants for ease of access it's like a, <laughs> it's like a zoom meeting you have to have a certain it's, zoom code no, for each hologram it's like phil do, said like, the futurama iphones that's like exactly the thing that's, that's but it. i've never seen I, futurama i don't care about Futurama. <laughs> thank you see me either i've seen maybe two episodes of futurama don't care. I guess I can go. You guys, Ricky's gonna leave. Later, Come skaters. on, I don't want Ricky to leave. I want him to stay here, and I want I'm him sorry. to come back. I'm sure. I'm sure it's fine. I've just never that watched Bender it. controversy does not affect me at all. I care less if they recast Bender. They keep telling what? me it's so good. I'm like, yeah, it's slightly smarter Simpsons. What I'm hearing is that there is a Thank you, potential podcast you. somewhere where people make camera. <laughs> that was that was like the best video editing we've ever had, and we have a full time <laughs> video editor. Uh, uh, there, what I'm hearing is there's a podcast where Ricky D forces Cameron through Futurama one episode at a time. I'll take it. I'll do it. Um, I just really quickly, Cameron, because I respect you, I will say it is not slightly smarter Simpsons. It's like it is galaxy brain beyond. Okay. And I only say that because there are a ton of jokes in it that I still don't get. And I'm not, I'm not saying that means it's smart. I'm just saying like I consider myself smarter than the average idiot and I don't get a lot of jokes in that show. So, um, however that comes across, it's it's honest. Uh, our friend Kelly says, "Thank God, I can't imagine not having the 2021 stuff in my life." Okay, imagine it's a Zoom <laughs> call via holodeck. No, Phil, it's a Futurama <laughs> iPhone, or it's a Zoom call via holodeck. But yes, I I okay. Does that is that does that <laughs> succinctly answer your question, Cameron? I I said I didn't care about it. Oh, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we went on that digression yeah. because it feels right. It felt right. I want to go uh, back a bit to just a quick line Whitney had to Faye. They were uh, having a little kind of uh, uh, a sidebar by the fridge where the I'm pretty sure I know what this can't is. can't hear. She says, "Try these panties on. If I go to jail, you can French kiss all hopes of knowing your past goodbye." And I immediately went, "Oh, that's where Faye gets her mouth." Right. And I loved it. I thought it was a very good bit of writing of like. Oh, this is absolutely. We are now learning she's, where Faye comes from. She's got some wonderful one-liners oh, too. Yeah. Didn't I tell you to fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, you guys, mm-hmm. the mink, right? The mink, the iron mink. Oh, you. Oh, wait. My favorite. He's he's my favorite. Do you mean the poor man's Jared Leto? The poor man's Jared Leto. Before we say that, I have to ask. Okay, sorry. It's okay. He's not, he's not even the poor man's Jared Leto. You get out of here with that. Okay, I was gonna say, Josh, will you tell us who he is, and then. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. If you don't know who he is. Cameron got me all flustered talking about Jared Leto over there. <laughs> Do you not know who he is off the top of your head, Josh? And I'm only saying that because I don't know if this is a band that you would like. Oh. I have to look it up. Do you a know band. who Tyson Ritter is? He's not in Mac. All-American Rejects, is he? Tyson Ritter is of the All-American Rejects, plays the Iron Mink, and Whoa. is no married way, really? to Elena Satin, who plays Julia in real life. Oh. How... Freaking oh. mind-blowing is that? Interesting. Mind-blown. I just found out that James Gunn is married to Harcourt from Peacemaker. Oh, I, yeah. Like, you guys, on our show, Sudden But Inevitable, we should look into who people are more. There's, like, interesting <laughs> stuff. We should read Us Weekly more, apparently. Maybe not that, but, like, we, no? could, we okay. could IMDB people. Like, that's a verb. And But, I, Josh, huh. like, did you... Are you an All-American Rejects fan? I'm only asking because I don't know. I don't mean to be like... I, I mean, I was back when I was in high school and stuff. They were part of like that kind of genre of crap that I listened to. Um, <laughs> he said it. We describe your music the same way, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> dude, it's fine. I, t- I fully admit that the music that I listened to back then and still currently sometimes listen to is complete and utter garbage. It's fine. It's fine. It's your kind of garbage. That's what matters. It, absolutely. Yes. I will swim in that garbage, <laughs> in that garbage all day long. Just like a and Star night. Wars fan okay. does. <laughs> exactly. Because that's what Luke don't did. Don't pull me out of it. Because that's what Luke did. Not because. Don't, not don't pull me out of this compactor. Yeah, I'm okay. good in here. Cool. Just let me swim in this I, for a little bit. I just wanted to make sure you got the <laughs> metaphor. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I was just, I'm looking up this guy's, see, I didn't. I, I really, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't no, notice that because cool. I'm huge in like connections when it comes to that sort of yeah. ridiculousness. Um, I had no idea that Tyson Ritter was even doing acting or anything like that. I, I just figured All American Rejects went away in 2010, <laughs> and that's about it. You know, it's I didn't even know that he was a a, a guy like I. <laughs> I didn't know that band was former or current. Like, you know what I mean? I've heard the name, but it's like, um, I like their song titles more yeah. than I like their music. I mean, and he does a wonderful accent. He's from Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh. And this dude is doing an amazing, <laughs> what is that, Russian accent? He's throwing it all in. That's what I'm saying. He's like Jared Leto. He's totally like uh, embodying a whole nother character here. He's he's trying to, he's working and it. You're absolutely right. I'm not saying Tyson he's better. I'm not saying man, Jared he's Leto. better Leto. than Jared Leto. He's just probably cheaper than Jared Leto. <laughs> To, Absolutely. To hire, you mean? Like, yeah, not yeah. in, n- not in the soul. Oh well, wow. you just blew my mind with that. I'm gonna start looking into characters more. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jesse. I feel like I have failed the sudden but inevitable podcast in that aspect. No, no, I will vow to do better. It's all good. <laughs> I every time you open your beautiful lying mouth, I <laughs> want to kiss it. I know. Um, yeah, I it like that character is. What's the word? Is it camp or is it Fun? cheese? I can't. Camp. Oh, camp. it's camp. Okay. Yeah. That character is 100% camp. And 
I don't know. Apparently, I'm a camp fan because, like, <laughs> I love the Iron Mink. I I was convinced we were gonna lose a character the first time I saw this. I was convinced we were gonna lose a character temporarily. Like, oh, somebody's gonna get killed and then resuscitated or something. Like, mm -mm. you know what I mean? Like to make mm -hmm. him think, okay, score is settled. Uh, did the Mink remind you guys of any other movie characters, TV show characters, anything like that? Mm. He was a little Niska for me. Niska, yeah, okay. I was going to say, he felt very Firefly yeah. to me. Yeah, uh, I was getting Merovingian vibes from him, from the oh. Matrix Reloaded. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. That weird French guy. I have sampled all the languages. French is my favorite, especially to curse with. It is like wiping <laughs> your ass with silk. Exactly. The, <laughs> check out this guy. Jeez. It was a... <laughs> all right, dang. It's like you guys planned that out or something. I I just have that kind of memory. It's a gift and a curse. Um, that's, that's what makes this show so good, because all of us have different kind of memories and stupid references like that, but they're all from different angles. A hundred percent. I'm going to have to agree with you on that. But I, I mean, I was all in on this character. I was like, this, and if he's space Western, to, to Ricky's point, he feels like he could be from any space Western because he has the tropiness, but he has the execution down. And like, this is not the first time that we have seen, especially in the live action Bebop, that a character's reputation is actually almost more important than their physical presence, right? Because in, I think it was maybe the last episode of the episode prior, Spike is going, you know, I'm not taking Faye out with me to just hunt bounties. I don't know what she's capable of. And she goes, I already got, I bagged Roland Dupree. And he's like, oh, okay, then let's go hunt bounties. You know, so reputation is huge in this world. I mean, we have the reputation of the eunuch, right? Like, I mean, his reputation is is pretty, uh, pretty proceeding. No, what's the word? Pretty unique. Unique <laughs> and, and, and widespread. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know that there's anything in this episode that bumped me as... I wouldn't have done that. Was Do you guys specifically have anything? I'll start with you, Cameron. Was there anything in this episode where you're like, eh, that's not my favorite thing? From a filmmaker standpoint? I, other, than the, other than the title card, yes, from the, from the critical lens. Actually, it's only the title card, really. That and I think we get zero eye in this episode. Mm, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's just, uh, you know, what's missing. I, no, I think rewatching this, because I was thinking, you know, I, I watched this all when it first aired. Um, I didn't finish it before it was canceled because apparently Netflix doesn't think about, uh, you know, fa working fathers who yeah. can only fit in an episode every few days. Netflix. But uh, no, yeah, I, I was thinking, I think maybe six is my favorite episode. And then I rewatched this one last night and was like, God damn, this is a good episode. It is so well written. There are so many good callbacks. I just love, you know, there's like um, early on somewhere in the middle, Whitney, the mom character says something about it. She makes a joke about a safe word. I'm like, ah. I'm I'm doing like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme right there. Like I I know what that means now. It's foreshadowing and um and just like all the stuff again with the family unit. Like it feels it, like at first blush it's a Faye episode, but no, there's so much about Jet and Spike in this episode when you really look at it. Uh, so I'm sorry, long-winded answer to say no. Uh, I, I think that title card is the only thing I bumped on in this episode. No, that's excellent and that's impressive. And I do have to bring up our live chat pointed out that there is in fact zero iron in this episode. Oh, that and of is course, a shame, though. you know what that means, my friends. That means that it does not pass the Barkdale test. So <laughs> that will be something that they can address in season two once we have hashtag saved Cowboy Bebop. Ricky D, what do you got, my friend? Yeah, you were asking Cameron if he had any like complaints about this episode. Oh, what bumped you, man? What bumped you? <laughs> the uh the syndicate scenes with Julia. Uh, the mm. first one where she went in with Anna and she's like, you never told me he was still alive. When have you ever had nostalgia? And it was just like 
really over the top and I was not buying it at all. It was like she was just this weird, desperate woman coming in there trying to figure out where Spike or Fearless is. Uh, and then also when she went into that like that forge area with Mao, that was some really bad green screen work. Like there were some shots that looked like uh, mm. those old Attack of the Clones shots where there's just like <laughs> one person and there's just like really bad digital green screen behind them. Mm-hmm. I will have to rewatch it because honestly, I didn't see it. And I'm not saying it wasn't there. I'm saying I didn't see it. Josh, if you're able to pull a screen of that where you can find a spot where you think it might be I mean, be I've apparent. kind of just gotten used to it over the course of the series because this show, it certainly like strains against the boundaries of its budget. Yeah. Well, and I think... I mean, kind of maybe. I think a big part of that for me, and, and I'm not uh, discounting that at all, Ricky D. I think uh, for me that in my head just translates as this is the the visual aesthetic, right? Like this is part of the translation that we get. So you get Dutch angles, you get, uh, you know, cars that are very clearly not on an actual road. You get funky lighting, that kind of a thing. But you get the red hue to symbolize the like plot of death and I, stuff. But it's, like, totally, that's a... I mean, it's totally a fair point to say like they could have, you know, worked harder on that sort of a thing. But um I, yeah, I, I agree. That's one of the things where, like, again, like you can kind of see the budget, but as you were saying, Jesse, the show is so stylized, it kind of gets away with some of those shots. I guess that would be the most that I could see out of this whole scene, where it's kind of a bad green, kind screen. of a hard line there on the edges. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and to that point, I mean, you can't, you could chuck everything up to the pastiche, but I don't want to do that for fear of seeming like some sort of crazy apologist. Um, was there? Did you have any other? Uh, bumpy moments in this episode, Ricky D? No, it was just the Julia, basically, in the cartel scene, or syndicate scenes. I can appreciate that. Josh, did you have any complaints about this episode, my friend, before we go further? I didn't, actually. This is... Um, you didn't? It's, it's one of my favorite episodes of this whole what? I, season. I figured you'd be upset we didn't take a whole episode to go find a tape player when when Faye found her <laughs> tape in her identikit. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good on just that not being a thing because it would have had to have been a beta VHS player, mm, beta player, right. beta max. It anyway. did make me excited because I was like, oh, yeah, they didn't do that. But you like the way they've been recycling plots in other ways throughout this season. I was like, you know, they'd have to go to Earth in search of some old tech in season two. And I, I wonder what it would be. Well, and hashtag season two, mother effers. I think <laughs> that's a difficult hashtag to get going, but we'll work on it. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it actually fits here, too, because the first thing I thought was, uh, so Jet just has a VHS player from 98? Sure. Like, come on, dude. And then I thought, wait a minute. Jet is a, a clear proponent of physical media. He's been talking about, like, records and bebop and jazz and all this stuff. Mm. And he's got, you know, all this. Of course he would have a video player lying around. Well, that fits. And Jesse, they probably just picked it up wherever they got that 1977 issue of Playboy from. They've got, <laughs> they've got connections with some sort of uh, antique dealer. They went to, yeah, is there, there's a flea market that's just full of, like, uh, mid to late 1900s stuff. That's that's pretty cool. I, I you know, I... I don't have like this. This episode is hilarious. It has a ton of awesome one-liners. It's it's got good story moments. It's got good mm-hmm. plot points. It's like I, I didn't have a, I, the actors are all great. The you know I, I didn't I didn't have much of any complaints. So and I watched this episode four times today because I don't have much else to do. So I put it on loop and just kept watching. It. <laughs> That's the way to do it. You know what else it has? 
okay, every episode has this, but Faye's amazing outfit. I was admiring those tights. They are so awesome. Yeah. Her leather jacket also has like a lot of very intricate like leather work on the back. The the of course the yellow kind of vest is so cool. Like I wish I was a woman so I could just cosplay as Faye sometime. And then you know you still could. bump yeah, into like someone cosplaying as Mel and then one thing leads to another and her sunglasses were also really <laughs> awesome and fairly impractical. Oh, they were. They Dude, were. her sunglasses were the uh, meme sunglasses from the GIF where they come <laughs> in from out of frame and land on your nose. Look at those. Those are the meme sunglasses. That is, I mean, that is a vibe right there, Daniela Pineda. Okay, Josh, it? <laughs> give, me that, give me that scene again. That's almost a shot for shot of the scene of her on the deck of the Bebop from the anime where she's wearing yep. basically nothing, right? Yep. This is that scene I was talking about earlier. This is the perfect forward progressive thinking translation of what we had into what we needed and and with yeah, leatherman it's, the leatherman magazine it's it's good <laughs> in a lot of ways now before i get to my last couple of questions that i have for you wonderful gentlemen mm-hmm. i would like to go around and say is there anything from this episode you feel like we have to talk about before i ask you my last couple questions and we move into our segments let's start with our guest cameron Oh, um, I did want to just ask everyone, I, you know, I brought up safe word and that comes up again near the end of the episode. What, what's your guys' safe word? Josh? That's not my safe word. I mean, Josh should go first. <laughs> nope. You said it. It's like chess. Your hand's off the piece. I don't think chess and safe nope. words. Chess rules apply here. Okay. Chess and sex always go together, Jesse. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm a pretty vanilla dude. I don't have a safe word. I don't actually have a safe word, but I'm going to make one up that's funny, Josh. I don't believe you at this point. (laughs) Nor should you. Nor should you. I have to tell you, Cameron. So um, on Josh's previous podcast, Twist My Arm, there, we had an episode where we interviewed our friend Pixie from the podcast Next on Stage mm, One. Our friend mm-hmm, Pixie mm-hmm. is a former stripper. And I asked her to please give us stripper names. And Josh turned the reddest shade of red I have ever seen him in my life, like the entire time. And she, she was like, well, what song? what's the song you'd be comfortable dancing naked to? And Josh was like, almost died. And so that's actually where I got the name Captain Bootscoop, yes. in case you're wondering. Mm-hmm. So... um I, I believe Josh, and I believe that when you ask that question to Josh, it actually fries some of his synapses. Synapses? Syn- mm-hmm. I know Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D has a Rolodex of safe words. Ricky, what do you got? <laughs> Wait, so just real quick, Josh is your your podcast, Rob. Is that right? Oh, um, I don't think so. Oh, yes. I thought you meant, is he the alpha? But then I remember John T. Bolds is the alpha of your <laughs> podcast. Um, yes, Josh is the Rob of my podcast. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Uh, Ricky D, go ahead. Out. What's what's your uh, what's your favorite I can't wait. safe word? <laughs> yeah, uh, usually um, the my go to safe word is I'm serious. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you understand the spirit of the safe word, <laughs> but I like it. I like the performance. Really, does it have to be that exact vocal intonation? <laughs> well, otherwise, it's not safe. Um, <laughs> live chat, sound off. What is your safe word? Um, I, you know me, I'm thematic, I'm dramatic, um, I, I, I think it would have to be something, I, I can't go with Fidelio because mm. it, there's too many connotations there, it, it sounds hilarious to me, and I think that's part of the point of a safe word, right, is it kills the mood and it breaks you back to reality, oh, there goes mm-hmm. gravity, oh, there goes rabbit, so I think my safe word would probably be spaghetti, as in mom's. Um, because that just, wow, that was a train of thought. shuts <laughs> everything just, down. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a okay. That's, okay. It's that whole phrase. It's not the it, the safe word is not just spaghetti. Yeah, it's, it's got to be the entire song. And moms. <laughs> <laughs> we. <laughs> That's a peek into the uh, terrifying hellscape that is my mind. Our <laughs> friend Phil in the chat says, I shared an apartment with Ricky in college. Can confirm. <laughs> Our friend Callie says, I mean, a safe word is something you would never willingly say. So pizza. I feel like this is a hot take. I feel like Ricky's, I feel like Ricky's safe word would be more like crisis alert. I, I just I just would see that a little more. There's a hot take in the chat that we have to address quickly, and then we'll move on. Our friend Callie is not a fan of pizza. This came up on Twitter earlier in the week, and we have explained to her that even though it's it's the exact same argument as when you say you don't like beer, and somebody goes, oh, you just haven't found the right beer. And it's like, uh, yeah, you know why I haven't found the right beer? Because I don't like beer. Um <laughs> However, Callie is much more open to trying new and different pizzas and and is willing to be proven wrong. She has she has admitted. But I mean, safe word's gotta gotta kill the mood and it's gotta break you out of your your trance. So that's why she picked pizza. That's why my safe word is Joe Piscopo. <laughs> gotta go with the classic. Joe Piscopo. Joey Piss. Now <laughs> is it just Joe Piscopo or is it the key to your safe word being Joe Piscopo that when you say that you picture data, the Android either or, you know, I mean, for each their own. Well, it depends, but yeah. Okay. To, to each their own. Yes. Uh, but thank, it, thank you for picking up on the, the Star Trek connection with Joe, it's with the, Joey P. It's the only thing that I do in all seriousness, our friend, Kil- our friend, Killip Frogmire says in all seriousness, <laughs> though, a spotlight system works well. Green is go. Yellow is slow down. Red is stop. That's actually a good point. Um, Man, not only is Phil well versed in the pop culture side of things, but dang, Phil's kind of freaky. I'm gonna need some. I don't want to out him too much, but Phil's a little freaky. He's read some fine literature. Hit me up, Phil. I, I, I could use some some answers on some things. <laughs> he is the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Our friend Serious. Rona says, 1978. Interestingly enough, Radio Four became 1500 uh, to 200 kilohertz. That's the only one I needed to know. I'm very lost rona what are what is this what is I what are you talking Callie about? was asking her about a radio earlier and that seems oh. to line up with some radio talk thank you ricky thank you for catching is me that up. Her, is that rona's safe word radio four i think that's the safe word radio four radio four audio dramas radio four doctor <laughs> who um that's a game called word association i think i played it correctly our, wow. our friend Callie says, did you see the judgy look that Josh has? This is how I suffer. Um, <laughs> okay, you guys, let's let's reel this in just a tiny little mm-hmm. bit. I have a couple of questions to ask. Cameron, I know that you noticed this, but did you notice the second appearance this season of Faye's uh, Identikit registration number? I, well, I was looking for it. It's X one two three four, right? It, it's X one two three four five SS. But beneath that, immediately, oh, shoot. is directly translated from the is anime it seventeen oh one as NCC seventeen oh one dash B, which our friend John T. Bolds pointed out is the Excelsior, which was eventually captained by Sulu, who was eventually played by John Cho. And wow, I gotta say, it's crazy it's a cool. ridiculous roundabout yeah. connection. And and it's crazy cool that we got both green shirt guys on both episodes of Cowboy Bebop that reference actual Star Trek. Like, what are the odds of that? That we would have Federation guests in both instances. I just, I love that. <laughs> um, now, last thing. Okay. Do we think that 
let's say we get we're getting season two. We know that we're getting season two because we has we have hashtag saved Cowboy Bebop and we're getting hashtag more Bebop. Absolutely. Is Whitney? Couple questions here. Is Whitney really Faye's mother? And if not, do we ever really meet Faye's mother, or is it a long gone mom con? Uh, easy mom, easy go. Uh, an eternal maternal lack of returnal, so to speak. I definitely don't think that she was actually Faye's mother. Uh, I think Faye even mentioned that she ran a con where she uh, woke multiple people out of cryo sleep. You see a lot of open identikits there in that warehouse. Well, and, and you hear Faye's actual mom talking to her on the VHS later, and it's definitely not her. It's not Whitney's voice. And especially with the VHS tape, it implies they're going the route of the anime that she cryo slept a long, even long time. Admits at some point in the episode, like your parents, you know, no one came for you. She postulates. So you gotta. I, she does. She does say nobody came for you, but then she postulates as to why. She doesn't know why explicitly. And that's, Whitney says a lot of stuff this episode, right? And so that's the reason that I ask. Do you guys think that this would be a a oh, no. story thread we come back to, or would it just be? No, her parents are definitely gone, and that's it. I think you'd come back to this story thread because of the the couple aspect, because of the All-American reject and uh, <laughs> Whitney. Yeah, like, I, think I think Whitney would come back. Yeah. Sure. I think them as a couple would be a fun, like, you know, them <sighs> hunting them down or something. And the bounty you know? on them combined has got to be Ooh. huge. And I think Faith going and looking for her childhood home, I mean, that is just such an iconic scene of the the anime which is why i chose that episode uh, come on don't go hunting meteor falls uh, check that out season two uh yeah i think she eventually would have tried to track down her past it's i mean it's it, i think it's the best subplot of the anime yeah ricky what do you got uh yeah i'm trying to figure out did Faye age in cryo sleep because she must have gone into cryo sleep at like 10 11 years old and then she came out around a 19 20 ish year old but it was more than a 10-year span in cryosleep. So not necessarily, because it's possible that she the, the tape could have been made 10 years before she went into cryosleep, right? And that's just the last thing that she has available as yep. of, okay. of those possessions. I think that's I think, the I think that's the right. Yeah, I think that's the key because she was she was clearly old enough to like, okay, know what sex was but mm -hmm. not have had an orgasm, right? So she was like, I, I think that she probably was about her current age when she was frozen, if maybe maybe a little bit younger. But yeah, I think that actually, that's a good question, and I think that answers it. Yeah, I think the identikits are kind of like, you know, the scene in the movies when the guy gets out of jail and they hand him all their, you know, possessions that they had when they went into jail. When you saw those other identikits, it was like clothes and everything, and then Faye opens her up, and it's the whole fifth element scene where they open the box and it's not what they were expecting and it's, it's just a tape whereas everything else for whatever reason when she went in that's all she had with her yeah um rona does confirm it was a threat about a sonyo radio that they were talking about that's why she was mentioning radio 4 and uh kilohertz etc thank you so, sorry for clearing that up i was very confused <laughs> and i appreciate uh the additional understanding i believe those are all of my questions uh Cameron, is there anything else you feel like we have to talk to before we get to our segments for the week? I mean, nothing super specific. I just, I want to lay some more praise on this. Like I do, you know, we talked about the Julia Mousy maybe doesn't look super great and that these scenes are just kind of um, threading us together uh, along the vicious plot line. But it is some really great plotting going on here, both from like a storytelling 
perspective and from like a mafia crime syndicate like the moving the chess pieces who's playing who like it's all really good and i mean it's not the focus of i mean it's kind of the focus of the season because it is the one storyline that goes through the whole season but in each episode you only get little bits and it's done so well like just to throw some shade maybe book of boba fett could have taken a lesson from here taken a page to put in their book on like how crime syndicate should actually kind of plot and play against each other but yeah, I just, I, I, I just, I think it's all written very well. Um, yeah. Josh, what are you? You're got? not going to get me, Cameron. <laughs> I, uh, I was, I was on Josh. I was seeing if I could rile him up. That's bait. I, I actually, I don't know where Josh falls on, on be a BB. If you want to find out where Josh falls. You could just run yeah. a whole How could I find season out? called Quest Me about <laughs> Book of Boba Fett. Where would I, where would I watch that, Josh? Same place you're watching this. You can actually go to twistmyarm.net mm-hmm. and see all of our live streams on the live stream tab anytime. We're- I was on that show. <laughs> you can rewatch all of the episodes of Quest Me and Sudden But Inevitable and Marvel Can of Madness here at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. I would agree, though, that the syndicate in Book of Boba Fett was a little... Uh... Yeah. But I also I also think there's more to that, so get at me later. <laughs> All right, you and me are going to talk. We're going to have some words. Josh, speaking of talking words, do you have anything else you'd like to cover from this episode before we get to our segments? Just the ending. How have we not talked about the ending when she watches the video? Waterworks I mean, every that, time. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I every time it gave me these so the good. waterworks, and it's like, how many times when you were a kid did you talk to your you know older self going, man, I really hope you're not a freaking loser 15 years from now and it, I, I like i like that because it's it's like a time capsule you know did you guys ever bury a time capsule mm-hmm. and my family did that and it was really cool to like dig up this capsule 10 years later in our backyard and see what we all buried and stuff you know and it's it's kind of like that and, and it's especially more um poignant for faye because she has no idea who she is and for her to see for her to see herself talking to her like that, like, oh my God, you actually did have a life. You did have parents. You did have something. You just had to suffer some sort of tragedy. You had to suffer a tragedy to be where you are now. You were happy once and, you were without trauma. Right. And it's, it was really that the best scene probably in, for me, one of the best scenes in the entire season, Hard the entire series, because it's just so raw you know and and you can just see it in fate and the the acting in this scene is incredible because you know jet at first he's like oh this is really cute and then realizes oh shit this is kind of a big deal you know and spike just kind of enjoys it because he's like oh kid that's yeah and that actually goes back to earlier i think that's my favorite part of this moment is that it is is almost shot for shot from the anime the only difference is that instead of Faye being alone for the scene spike and jet are in the room it's got and Jet yeah. reacts how a dad would react. He's like, "Oh, well, I'm, I'm she's sorry, so cute, you know." And in the anime, it's Spike and Jet are watching it, and she's watching. She they don't realize she's watching it, right? Like, oh, she walked out of the room, and they got it working, right? And she's watching from the doorway, I think. And didn't didn't she? Watch and then it there's another times. Yeah, yeah. There's in another episode, she's like watching on repeat. So, but to have you know Jet sitting there going, "Oh, what a cute little girl!" Like he was doing earlier. She's clearly doing mm-hmm. something similar to a recital mm-hmm. with the pom poms, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Spike there going, "Oh, I now actually identify with Faye. I'm an orphan. She's effectively an orphan, right?" So he's having this moment of quiet consideration, which is just John Cho portrays those masterfully and and we can't talk about it enough yeah i mean just to that point 
I mean, basically, again, kind of repeating what Jesse said, damn you. Uh, I think it was such a smart move to put this scene in an episode that featured Kimmy, that featured Jet's daughter, because, again, like his expression is almost as emotional to me as as Faye's. because yeah, he's he's he's, and it reinforces that found family dynamic. Like he sees her as a daughter. He sees like it reinforces the um, uh, surrogate father that he is to her. Yeah, and I I really love that connection. I guess just going back to Bump's teeniest tiniest bump in this episode is there's the moment where like then the mom says, "Okay, did you say everything?" And the look on Daniela Pineda's face sells that moment so good they did not need the next two lines right they did not need the okay mom and then her saying mom it's fine it's not terrible but like i thought they had nailed it with just the mom's voice and the look on her face see and that's the kind of addition or subtraction that i really like to hear like you know what i would have done is cut these four seconds because that's like you're like that's how close to nearly perfect i would say this thing is and i i really really like that uh ricky d Mm -hmm. have you got anything else we got to talk about before we get to our segments my friend nope i just wanted to make sure we hit on that uh video and how everybody interpreted it so thank you so much for bringing that up i i dude i would have blown right past it because you know how i am speaking of blowing right past things let's get to the first weekly segment which i cannot wait for we like to call this segment shot of the show Shot of the show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episode. Those moments that now live rent-free in our heads. Cameron, as our guest this week, please go ahead and go first. Josh, bring up Cameron's shot. Give us the time code. And Cameron, walk us through it, my friend. Cameron's at 34 minutes and 20 seconds. Yes, it is. We've talked a lot about this. It's a shot of Jet sitting with, uh, watching his daughter's recital. But we see him in the bar and Spike fighting in the background. Uh Again, I love it because as you were, I mean, it's a lot. We covered a lot of this already. But as you said, Jesse, like it could just be funny. It's ah, ah, ha, ha, ha. He's watching the recital and not realizing Spike's fighting in the background. But like we talked about, and I use the captions here where he's saying, I'd fight the world to make sure I showed up. He's telling his ex-wife. And so I'm kind of cheating by getting two lines here. But uh, uh, let me gather myself because it's a really good moment. Um, he, We know, we know that Jet would fight the world to get to his daughter's recital. But he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to because he has a partner that he trusts to fight the world for him. And and his partner would fight that world for him. And it's so good and it's so meaningful. But then also there's the part of it that his partner will fight. They He will fight the most notorious arms dealer in the system for his friend Jet. But he won't tell him the truth. He won't tell him about his history. And there's and that's the drama that I love that they added to the live action that's not in the anime. This, this friction this kind of fatal flaw in their otherwise such glorious relationship. I just, I love it. I could have used the scene with him kind of doing the dance because that is kind of my favorite moment. But but here with that line, I think it's just so deep, deep. And none of us are space cowboys. I mean, no? in our day Speak jobs. for yourself. In our, oh. in our day jobs. But we've all had relationships like that where it's like, I don't like this person or really like know much about them but i actually trust that they will do the thing that i need them to do because like we're at work or for example we have a common goal sort of a thing so you know having been part of say i don't know like a group of dudes that makes a podcast happen <laughs> like we have to all contribute pieces to that it doesn't just happen so there there's always those dynamics of like i know that ricky d doesn't 
love spending all of his time with me on a Friday. But I know he loves talking about Cowboy Bebop, and I trust that he's going to put in the effort to pick his things, and he's going to watch the episode, and he's going to think about it, and he's going to talk about it like an intelligent person, right? That's that's that kind of like weird, non, uh, non unspoken, like manly, I don't need you, mm-hmm. but I totally am glad that you're here and couldn't do this without you guys. And I feel like that's a, a great flavor to point out on that on that relationship. Kevin. And it's not like I have anything better to do on a Friday night. <laughs> I love you too, man. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, in fact, let's go ahead and put Ricky's shot up next. Josh, go ahead. That's going to be at the 32 minute and 29 second mark. Bam. Yeah, this was that weird storage <laughs> complex that they went to. Uh, obviously, just rundown, sketchy. I'm pretty sure they're manufacturing red eye in one of these units. Uh, but it really spoke to the whole aesthetic of everything. Uh, mm. You know, uh, I love the name Stash and Go. Like, it implies that there's people hiding uh, evidence and, you know, all kinds of stupid stuff in there. So I just really liked the shot. I like how the the roof opens up later on too. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they would need to if you're going to be able to store a jump craft or a zip craft, right? Sure. I I really lo- I put this in my notes as the uh, video game storage location yeah. from <laughs> from every uh, Need for oh Speed game, right? Like you go to a garage with a big funny name on the front of it and you get a new car. Guys, can we get a Grand Theft Auto Cowboy Bebop edition? <laughs> I mean, if that's not a mod, it should be. Oh, get on man. that, you lazy modders. I I do really like that pick. And it's very I'd love to that to that scene. I love that we finally get Faye's anime ship because she mm-hmm. stole it from a con <laughs> artist. I love that little detail. And she's just like, okay, peace. And you actually she doesn't even try to sneak the key. She just leans past her air quotes mother and the mink <laughs> making out and takes it. She's not even trying to be sneaky. Speaking of not trying to be sneaky, Josh, go ahead and walk us through your <laughs> shot, my friend. Mine's at the 10 minute and 40 second mark. It is the most sci-fi shot of the entire show when they're going through the uh, portal. Um, what do those this... ships look like, Josh? Well, I mean, there's a couple different things. The The one right here looks a lot like an X-Wing. Mm. I thought it was uh, the first time I saw this episode. Oh, yeah. This one down here has a little bit of a Slave 1 vibe to oh, it. Oh, I didn't even notice that one. Good catch. Um, just with the four engines on the back. Uh, that left one? God, that, that top left? Oh, that's totally a TIE fighter. No, no. That's a no, that's that... a Dideradex class Romulan warbird. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Wow. If it had it sex like with a TIE fighter and didn't say the safe word in time and impregnated it. and I'm had serious. A that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... This is just like, it's just a beautiful shot. And it really makes me sad that we don't get to see the episode yet, that we don't get to see the episode with Ed, dude, where they're flying through the portal. Like, the more shots of, the more of these that I see, I'm like, oh, man. Like, I really would have loved to see the that whole scene of them trying to, like, you know, hack out of the portal or whatever they did in that episode. It's been a while since I've seen that, but <laughs> I just remember... I, It'd be cool to to dive more into that stuff. So well, and also seeing them pass each other, like you could see maybe the um the VT trucker, the space trucker episode, like just being like 
like a big long matrix style like chase sequence in one of these tunnels in hyperspace yeah in hyperspace yeah and yeah and i love that point the the different like uh rates of acceleration within this freeway in space it's just yeah it and it ups the stakes of just being in space and going from place to place that was beautiful josh if you don't mind speaking of beautiful throw up my selection (laughs) for shot of the show Jesse's comes at 42 minutes and 45 seconds. Okay, so one of the strengths of the show Firefly, and by extension the movie Serenity, is that you really feel like if you were in Serenity, you could walk around and you'd know how to get to everybody's cabin, you'd know how to get to the cockpit, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. With the original series, with the uh, with the anime version of Bebop, I personally never got a sense of space, really, outside of that, that uh, living room that they hang out in with the yellow couch, right? Like... I love that room a lot, and I love the cockpit, but I never really remember feeling yeah, that they were connected in a <laughs> obvious way, or like in a a you know I could walk from here to there sort of a way. There were a lot of shots that were down the hallway, looking into this room in the anime. I feel like this translation is just a better version of that because we're looking down the hallway into that main room, but if you look all the way to the front, that's the cockpit. We now have a sense of the entire mm. scale of this ship, mm-hmm. okay? So off to the sides, we've got the bathroom that Faye gets locked up in. Behind us, we've got Spike's bedroom that he's in. Uh, I think it was the last episode when he was looking for his photo of Julia. This, to me, achieves that Firefly-level physical lived-in space feeling. And it's one yeah. of the things that the live action does better than the anime, in my opinion. Look at that lighting, too. It's so good. Yeah. Very noir, very dusky. I love how Spike is always sitting not correctly on the sofa. <laughs> He's kind of like the Riker of the crew. Just <laughs> Is that is that really how you sit down? Okay. You know, there's been a lot of... I, I see a lot of complaints about the visualizations in this show and how the camera's crooked sometimes and how there's too much going on and stuff. Have you guys watched Daredevil? That show has crooked cameras and too much shit going on constantly. (laughs) It's a feature. And I feel like that's a Netflix thing to do. Like Netflix has always been that that platform to be the testing grounds of shows and to give the small guy a chance to be a new director or something like that. So it's the the more that I watch the show, the more I'm like, man, screw you guys. (laughs) Why are you complaining about a stylized uh, new way of, of filmmaking? It's not. It's not bad by any means. And like like with your shot, Jesse, it is a very busy scene. Mm. There's a lot of stuff happening in there. And I've I've heard that from some complaints that it's too busy sometimes in the show. And I'm like, man, I love that. That's a weird complaint. Yeah. I, I, I think know. the visual is one of the strengths of the show. It's so good. I mean, you say sometimes it's crooked or Dutch, as uh, us film nerds would say, <laughs> but like Almost every shot is Dutch, to be fair. Or it's like super stylized like that shot you just showed, like framed really nicely. But I mean, that's that's a translation from the anime, I think. The anime was doing that a I, lot. like Exactly. And I think that's one of the translations that work. Exactly. And to me, it's, it's that like, I, I think that's a great point, Ricky, that it's a weird complaint. Like, because in any other, you know, nerd property, people are like, I want to see all the Easter eggs and all the little details, and I want to absorb every single piece yeah. of this. There's people that are like, did you notice the frozen Han Solo in the episode of Firefly? Like, there's that level of stuff here, and people should be all about that, not it's too well, busy. Well, that's what 
people love about Star Wars, like especially the original trilogy, you go back and watch that, and like the frame is just filled with so much sumptuous visual eye candy. And uh, and even Mandalorian and Boba Fett, like mm-hmm. I mean, that was some of the best parts of Boba Fett was just like the world around it and filling it with like stormtrooper helmets on stakes. Yeah. And- yeah. The lived-in nature. That, that was the, that's how you could tell the difference between Moss Eisley and Moss Espo was the stormtrooper <laughs> helmets on Okay, okay. okay. that's God. a little too far. It's a little now too that far. I know that, I'll rewatch you know it. Maybe what? I'll no, like it. No, no, okay. No? I'm shutting no. this down. Let's go to our next segment. Our next segment is called No Finer One Liner. No Finer One Liner, as you know, is the second segment of our show where Josh has to not hit the cue every single time. It's become a thing, and I actually hope that he never hits the cue on time again. That having been said, what we do with this segment is we share our favorite lines of dialogue from this week's episode. Let's continue to have our wonderful guest, Cameron, go first. Josh, if you don't mind. Fine, forget fake. Do it for the dumplings. All right. Take you to Santos, but I want that recipe. With pleasure. Fin's up in five. Get his prep topside. Dumplings for dinner. See? Everybody loves a nice story. Now, in my defense, I was not pulling a Ricky D. I told Josh <laughs> to get me just that last line, but I, I, I appreciate it. It gives it out context, and you get to hear the whole musical bit, which was amazing. So thank that you. Was, that was my biggest thing, is I wanted to have all the music that's, in there. Cause the, that ending that's fair. Those. Absolutely. You ended it perfectly. Uh, yes. Yeah, see, everybody loves a nice story, I think is kind of the theme of this episode, and for a lot of the characters in the episode, which are the protagonists of our show. Um, Whitney says it, and of course, that is her philosophy on life, that everyone, they just want a nice story. That's why she cons people. She gives them the story they want. That's, I mean, she's living a kinky role-play fantasy as she's saying it. So she just wants the story, not the reality of what's happening. Now, meanwhile, you've got Faye, who on one hand is kind of rejecting that philosophy and just wants the truth. Her whole search in this episode is to find the truth. She doesn't want some made-up story that Whitney or anyone else gave her. She wants the truth, whether it's, you know, good or bad, as as Whitney says later. But then on the other hand, what I kind of realized about Faye here is she is a character. She's a protagonist without a story. She, is, I mean, she has her, she has her personality, but she has no context of life around her. And so she is searching for a story. And I think that's you know, she's, she tried on the solo bounty hunter. Now she's trying out a story with the crew. She's trying out this sexual journey she's just starting on. She's trying out being a daughter or a con man with her mother. Like, she just keeps trying on all these different hats and uh, in, in search of, of the story to go around her character. And then, you know, it also comes into uh, Spike a lot, who, of course, thinks that his partner, Jet, his only friend right now, just wants some made-up story about his life and not the truth. And so it's just one little line that you think is like, okay, this is telling us about the mom a little bit. But it really it, it, it uh, seeps deeper into the uh, the film, this the, the episode around it. You've also got uh, Vicious believing he's writing one story when Julia is actually writing another story and she you know, gave him the bones of his own story. It, I think that's a great point, man, that it fits to every character to a T in this episode. That is an excellent, excellent selection. Josh, if you don't mind, bring up Ricky D's quote. I have money, disguises, a ship. It's a one-seater, but we'll make it work. Think of the fun <laughs> we'd have, partnered up, living free, no one telling us what's what. 
All right. This is where they're in the stash and go. I was mostly focused on uh, Faye and her I have to know moment because uh, her Whitney character is offering her kind of everything she wants. She's going to team up with somebody. They can go do cons together. She's got some money. She's got the ability to do this. And she's kind of being having this dangled in front of her. But nothing compares to knowing who she is. She has that enormous question on her mind and she's staring right in the face of, you know, she's got a key, she's got a key and she's going to open it and she's going to be able to start figuring herself out. And she has to know there's, you know, there's all these other things that she thinks she wants, but this is the, what she really needs. And that's a great point because it seems like it's kind of the only thing that Faye knows for sure as as this version of her character, right? Everything else for her is kind of a big blurry question mark with with guns and and Russians and money. So it's it's an excellent excellent pick, and I think it really does get to that core of who she is. And and to have it followed up with that moment of, okay, here's who you are. You're you are still this innocent little girl who is willing to try and give it your give it a go right you're gonna do your best and that's gonna be good enough dang it and man we all know as adults that sometimes your best is not good enough so that's part of what makes that moment hit um but i i think that's a great choice ricky d i don't think i would trade that moment for anything josh go ahead and cue up your quote my friend oh darling heart i wasn't very good to you i'm not proud of that Mm. Mm. This is really sweet moment, but deeply unpleasant for me, because now I must kill you too. <laughs> it's just hilarious. I love that part. A sweet moment, but no. deeply unpleasant for me. <laughs> like, ah, uh, and I can't tell you how many moments I've seen in my life where I'm like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest though, I did not think he was gonna blast the dude next to him right after that. Like oh, no. poor poor Dimitri actually Dimitri. caught me off guard. Like I was expecting somebody to get yeah. shot this whole episode and Dimitri caught me off guard. I was like, what? <laughs> well, someone had to get shot this episode. This is what's so, known might as, well just... as getting your gun off. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was impressed. And and yeah, we gotta we gotta get Tyson Ritter and more stuff, I think, you guys. Mm -hmm. I was, I'm still blown away. I'm going to tell everyone about that. Do you remember the guy from All American Reject? Like, he's a pretty good actor. <laughs> that, that is how you talk. So, um, All my little emo friends, they're going to love that. <laughs> Here comes another thousand signatures for hashtag. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. And then, and then <laughs> conversely, they'll watch Futurama with Cameron and Ricky D. This is, there's a whole plan. <laughs> All right, Dominoes. Josh, if you don't mind, please play my quote from this week. What do you want me to do about this? Figure it out, Spike. You expect me to deal with the world's most notorious arms dealer alone while you watch your daughter's recital. She's got the lead. That's fair. Less than two seconds between she's got the lead and <laughs> that's fair. I counted. And <laughs> this, this is... We, we spoke about this a little bit earlier, but this is so essential to Jet and Spike, right? We, 
in in any version, we know that they don't know everything about each other, but they know that they can count on each other to get the job done. And I wouldn't be me if I didn't pick that and then bring up Ricky D and Josh and Cameron. You guys, thank you for being here with me, for helping me put this together. I know I can count on you guys to get the job done. And I think the uh, bro rotary, which is like camaraderie between bros, is what pushed me to this selection this week. Because, man, just having somebody that you can, like we've talked about before, we have this TMA group chat. And if you make a podcast with Twist My Arm, you, you're in the group chat and we joke at each other and make fun of each other and bag on each other all week long before the shows happen and it is just an absolute blast and I really love having that shorthand with you guys where I can go hey here's a thing here's how I feel about it and then I can predict the reactions that are going to come in it's a lot of fun <laughs> um, and if you've ever been to my Twitter feed you know that Cameron and I can speak in shorthand we do it with gifts we do it with memes it's I think it's a, a sign of a good relationship to be able to communicate quickly effectively and get things done and I feel that with all three of you here on the screen with me so I gotta say thank you I do also have to say hello and welcome to our friend Sincera he made it thank you for being being here, man, you're almost at the end, which, if I'm not mistaken, is how you thought this would go down. A couple weeks back, you said I might be able to slide into the end of an episode of Sudden But Inevitable. Speaking of our friend Sincera, if you look in the bottom left of your screen on YouTube, you will see Cameron holding up a very good-looking, very shiny Vera pin. Uh, it's all mirrored backwards. I don't know how to hold it. Man. But that pin is courtesy of Sincera's shop, which, of course, we will provide you with a nice little shiny link to in the show notes. He was in the quest, one of the Quest Me episodes, and it's in the show notes there. Sincera is what we call a friend of the network here at the Twist My Arm podcast network. A network regular. That's what I labeled Phil in our... Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, extended Potter and Family. Um, yes. I believe that is it for our segments, gentlemen, except we do need to turn in a rating for this episode and do some quick math and slap a grade on this sucker. So... Let's have our friend Cameron go first. Cameron, set the tone and establish the curve. Okay. I remembered one more note that I wanted to make, which is going back to the Playboy. I'm sorry, but <laughs> not the Playboy so much. But <laughs> Faye's sexual journey. I do love just kind of how casual she is like, oh, I just had sex with someone. It was someone of my own gender. That's pretty cool. But I think I like these guys, these leather daddies too. And just her whole attitude of suddenly exploring this new kind of sexual playground in front of her just reminds me of someone maybe uh, being forced to watch, I don't know, uh, Firefly for the first time and being like, what other space cowboy westerns are there? What other, what else? Can, give give me more. I'm ready. I'm ready to dive in. I don't know if I'm a mal girl or am I a spite girl, but either way, I don't, it just, um, it was exciting. It was it was a good, good good vibe on and that. And I'm glad that you went back to that really quickly. Uh, we have to throw this up in the chat. Cam, would you like to explain very quickly where the pin came from? The pin came from I showed up at my house and my mom threw it at me and I said, "Oh, hey, it's from Steve and it's a cool Firefly pin." Did Steve just like send me something out of the blue? That would be awesome. She goes, "No, I got it for you." I said, Mom, do you know that this is like a Twitter friend of mine? Like, did you order from? Why did you get it? She's like, Cam, you sent this to me. You sent me a link and said, look at this. It's cool. And I said, I did. And I, I, it's still a mystery. I've asked Steve. <laughs> I've checked all my emails, all my, my, my tweets, my messages, my 
Facebook messages, everything. I don't know wh- why, how that she got a hold of it. The fates just aligned so that I would get an awesome Jane pin from an awesome artist. I probably tagged your mom in a follow Friday on Twitter at some point inadvertently. <laughs> it's a thing that I've been known to do, so I apologize for that. Jesse, going around tagging people's moms. I also <laughs> might have tagged your mom. Uh, uh, Joe Piscopo. Joe Piscopo. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, <laughs> our friend Phil says, okay, that's amazing. Um, so now, now that this is difficult, Cameron, please. Yes, I'm sorry. I was supposed to rate an episode. This is a great episode, guys. Again, I, I, I think it's now my favorite episode of the show um, and uh, of a show that I love. Uh, nine. I'm going to give it a nine. Half a point missing for that weird title credit sequence <laughs> and half a point for no Ein. Otherwise, it's an amazing episode. Faye is not only, I think, better than the anime Faye. I think she is one of my favorite modern TV characters, maybe favorite TV characters of all time. She wow. just brings the screen to life whenever she shows up. Every time I turned on a new episode, I was looking forward to what Faye was going to be up to today. And this being such a Faye-centric episode, of course, it's going to be highly rated i don't know that i could disagree with that josh what have you got nine yeah i'm looking at the spreadsheet he actually did have a nine he's not just saying that because cameron <laughs> said it so uh ricky d my friend i was i was gonna go 9.5 just because cameron said nine <laughs> but i'm gonna stay at nine you can, you can raise the rating <laughs> well i think i'm gonna be the naysayer this week i'm going with seven mm-hmm. this one didn't quite hit me that hard uh, I don't have any major complaints about it, but well, I guess it was missing Ein. That could be a major complaint, <laughs> but it just huge it you. didn't quite click for me. Seven out of ten. That's fair. And the thing that I think is important to remember about the ratings is that we don't have like an official here's you know like running total or anything, but we do the rating because I would like to create at least the illustration of the fact that we are not just a bunch of fanboys here, like. I could see where you could listen Last to week a show. Would totally tell you that. Oh, but I could see where you could listen to this show and think that, right? But like I'm I have addressed before that I'd be okay with that because I feel like there's so much negativity about this show out there that it would be fine to have a purely positive show. Um but I don't think that we really are that and I just I would like to point that out one more time. So thank you, Ricky D. Um that all having been said, I also put a nine for this episode on the spreadsheet. Um, so that's it's it's not a like thing against Ricky D. It is an actual real life nine. And it's so Ricky ruins it's the rating for, <laughs> again. Okay. It's for all the same reasons that Cameron said, where it's just like, man, this really is like when you sit down and analyze it, even like for to watch for say, I don't know, like a podcast. There's nothing that you can pull out of it. And even Ricky was saying there's nothing you can pull out of it that's like, oh, that was awful. It just didn't wasn't Ricky's cup of tea, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most acceptable arguments that I have heard about this show is it's not for me. That doesn't mean it's bad, but it's not for me. If that's how you feel, cool. I'm good with that. But don't tell me it's bad because I don't like it, because that's just incorrect. Now, also a nine is a scientifically accurate rating for this episode because no ein. Yes. Nine. Nine. It is. Mm. Phil just pointed that out in the chat. No. Oh, ein. I didn't even. So I'm you sorry, Phil. Enough. No, no, it was. It wasn't <laughs> the exact same point, but. All of that leads us to the math that gives us an 85% for this episode out of 100, or an 8.5 if you like it that way. That's pretty good. That's a B. That's a solid B for an episode that is just, I mean, 
I Phil says synchronicity exactly this is a solid B for an episode that I think if you for ex- I think I brought it up in the first episode if you only had one episode no it was episode four if you only had one episode of the show to get somebody into it and they were skeptical you could pick episode four which is the tree mm-hmm. grenades I think this might also be one that you could do just because it's so like uh enjoyable but I would still stick with the other one just to give you a little more backstory, but I feel like there's enough in this to draw somebody in and make them go, okay, I got to go back to episode one and figure out. It's a good one. Cause again, like on the surface, it plays very sitcom but as we've said, like you dig a little bit and there's a lot more going on. Yeah. And, and I really feel like that's the essence of cowboy bebop anyway. Right. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. That's the whole show. It has so much surface level trope, um, you know, going on that if you have to go like another layer down to find what's really there and and yeah i i i love it in the anime and i love it in this adaptation i didn't want to spend too much time talking about the show as a whole but and not that a lot of people are going to listen to this who haven't watched past like the first episode or so but i mean i did i just the whole thing about like people not giving the chance i really think it just needed time and for people to give it a chance because the first episode the first time i watched it i admit I was kind of on the fence. I was a 50-50 on, on the premiere. And I, I thought it got a little bit better with each episode. And I thought it hit its stride by four. And then I went back and rewatched some episodes to prepare for today. And I rewatched one and I was getting ready to like, okay, here's these parts I bumped on. Here's the parts I don't like. Maybe I'll go in there and tell those guys why episode one isn't that good. It was fine. Yeah. It was great. I had no problems. I think it's just a show that takes you a while to get into because it is so stylized like we were talking about before. It is. And 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 you kind of have to adjust to it. But once you've adjusted to it, it's so good, guys. And Hashtag bring it back, you mother effing <laughs> fucker hunts. And, and I think the thing for me is that it's like... There, if you would, if you would have not dropped every episode at the same time, if this were a re- yes. weekly release, like for example, Peacemaker, and people had time in between episodes to get hyped and analyze and rewatch episodes and think about them, and I could have made a podcast that would push people into it. <laughs> I really think the show would have done better numbers for Netflix. I don't I, know what their their cutoff was, but I really think that that would have, that it would have benefited from that kind of model. Personally, I agree. I it needed word of mouth and it needed time for people to adjust and, and, and give it a chance yeah speaking of Total. word of mouth if the good listeners and viewers out there josh would like to get more josh in their viewing and listening days where would they go on the internet to do that man at this point so <laughs> we actually just had our last episode of quest me uh, yesterday that'll come out anywhere you listen to podcasts uh probably tomorrow evening and um, we'll have our season finale of quest me um, but other than that Sudden but inevitable is about the only place you can find me right now. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Twist My Armcast, Facebook, Twist My Arm Podcast, or Instagram, Twist My Arm Podcast. Um, if you want to write me an email or anything, you can go to our website, twistmyarm.net, and that has all of our different shows Best Flicks with Ricky D, Sudden But Inevitable, Marvel Can of Madness, the original Twist My Arm, um, the Intrepid DM. There's all sorts of content on that website. Um, but but right now I'm I'm in the middle of some some extreme life changes um that have been happening for months now and I think I th- I think man I hope to god that that I'm at the near end of it and that after the next month or two I'm going to be settled and I'm going to be able to focus on like what I actually want to focus on when it comes to the network and the podcast and stuff it's just been kind of a, a rough 8 months and like 
trying to do my own personal life stuff on top of, you know, I should say that vice versa. I should say trying to do podcast things on top of my own personal life stuff. But let's be honest, the podcast is my life. So having to deal with side things is a little obnoxious to me. So hopefully whenever all that's settled, I would say April, I'm hoping to have something solidified um, and be settled into my new whatever find your story josh <laughs> and, find your story everybody likes a nice story now really quickly i'm gonna get to you ricky i promise really quickly josh i i know that you will be settled and you will be making the shows that you want to be making i have no doubt about that and t- what he was saying is is true i there is the real life aspect right you can't make an independent podcast without having a real life on the side and there is some version of me that is like is it okay for me to tell Josh, like, watch this show and do some, like, work, right? Because, like, dude, I don't want to be the person adding another thing on your list of a million th- <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you clarified that for everybody and explained how it is because it's, it's a thing that I have been feeling. But I know that all of the guys here at the Twist My Arm Network are here for you and we are waiting and excited and proud of you at all times and we can't wait to see what you do next. Ricky D, if the good folks out there would like to get more Ricky D in their days, what should they do? Well, speaking of Quest Me, I was a part of the season finale of Quest Me, so make sure you look that up on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, all of those guys. I'm also here every Friday night. I love being part of a sudden but inevitable crew. And you can also find me on Best Flicks. I'm going to be putting out a new episode this weekend. Uh, just, I'm pretty sure you guys know the thing. Just talking about movies, talking about my favorite little parts, making some recommendations. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Best Flicks Ricky D. I, I watched most of that Quest Me episode last night. I wasn't able to be there, but I watched it. And dude, it was a good episode. And Quest Me is the is the genesis of the josh ricky d from best flicks with ricky d and captain boot scoot dream team as dream we call team here at twist my arm that out of the way cameron my friend if the good folks would like to get more cameron in their days what should they do sure yeah you can find me at my podcast green shirt a newbie's trek through the next generation where i am making my way through star trek the next generation one episode at a time with my slightly more knowledgeable co-hosts uh we are halfway through season five and it's good stuff our friends jesse and josh have both appeared and uh there's there's a lot of good stuff to be heard on that you can find us at green shirt 87 on twitter green shirt podcasts on facebook and you know you can just look up Green Shirt on all the pod chasers. You'll find us. It'll it'll be worth your while. There's also another project coming up, but maybe I'll let our good friend Jesse from the Sudden But Inevitable podcast talk about that. Oh, thank you, Cameron. I appreciate it deeply. Um, anybody who has listened or watched Sudden But Inevitable in the past knows that Deep down in the grossest parts of my body, I am a Trekkie. I will always be a Trekkie, and there's nothing that can stop that. You will also note that I am kind of the lonely Trekkie on the show, not in a in a negative way. I'm not mad at Josh and Ricky D, but I know that Star Trek isn't their first I all love. Sorts of Star Trek, right? I know that it's not your first love, and I'm not mad at you for it. Ricky D, it might be your last love, and I'm not mad at you for that. <laughs> but I have had just so much fun every time that I go to Green Shirt, and Cameron has had so much fun every time he comes here, and we love having him on our show, that sort of a thing. 
and we got together and we talked with producer John T. Bolds, who you may also remember from this current season, and we started realizing, dude, we all love Star Trek. Cameron has a Star Trek podcast, but there is a bunch of new Star Trek coming out that Cameron can't talk about on that show because it's about the next generation. Not only is it new Star Trek, but based on the poster, it seems to be a space western. It does seem Star to be Trek. a space western. So, and who would you combine to talk about that? It's it's one of those like serendipitous moments of I love Star Trek, you guys love Star Trek, I do space westerns, we all do podcasts. How can we make something fun out of the newest series in the Star Trek family, which of course is Strange New Worlds. And the way that we think we're going to do that is with a very cool brand new podcast called Open Pike Night. Open Pike Night is a podcast that we have envisioned to be a community sounding board for Strange New Worlds, the newest Star Trek show. If you are watching Strange New Worlds, or if you're excited for Strange New Worlds, or if you're nervous about it, tell us about it. Send us an audio clip. We want to put you on our first episode. We want to let the community speak through us. It is an open pike. Come speak at the open pike. We are going to be covering the episodes of Strange New Worlds. I believe there are 10 in the first season. We're not 100% on the number of episodes <laughs> or when the first trailer will drop. This is all very preliminary. All we know is that it's going to happen. We need your help, and we cannot wait to bring you open pike night. Cameron, is there anything I forgot to say? I mean, I think you nailed it. We really want to involve the community. We want to make it a place where people can come to kind of get a feel for the the pulse of the Star Trek community on this new show, Strange New Worlds. Uh, I have no idea what to expect from it, so I'm excited to dive in. And the thing that, you know, I think is most important to mention is as an open pike, that means that we need guests. If you yes. are interested, if you run a Star Trek podcast, if you run a... I don't know, Space Western podcast with me and you want to talk Star Trek for some reason. If you are out there and I said Star Trek and you went, I want to talk about that, then what you should do is open up your favorite email composition program and send an email, maybe even an audio clip, 90 seconds or less, to openpikenight at gmail.com and be sure to follow at openpike on Twitter to get your submissions in before our first episode, which again drops whenever the first trailer drops. Or so thereabouts. totally... Yeah, it's it's an entirely spontaneous, fun podcast. So be on the lookout. And of course, Cameron and I will be pimping those all over our socials. And sure. for me, those socials are Twitter at Sudden Butt. It's uh, Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. You can go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI to get everything for Sudden But Inevitable all in one place. Gentlemen. Dry pontoons. For the... <laughs> Cameron Dry Pontoon Harrison, ladies and gentlemen, for the so sign-off this stick. evening. Let's go, Cameron, Ricky, Josh, myself. So, for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. Bye, Mom. Cameron. This is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. <sighs> I'm Josh. See you, legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them.
I'm serious. Deep, deep. I'm very lost. What are, what is this?